All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gilbo's Fight Show. This is episode two. Thank you so much if you listened to episode one, and if you're listening to this one, I could not be more appreciative. And man, I had a lot. I had a lot planned. I know I was going to talk about my rankings this week, like my personal divisional rankings and pound for pound across all all uh, organizations. Like my rankings based on all fighters that are fighting right now in major organizations. I hope that makes sense. And then I realized there is just an ass load. There's so much, so much going on this week. I have two and a half pages of notes, and I forgot about Bellator 286, which is arguably the best card of the weekend. So, yeah, we're going to have to just jump into that stuff. we got a recap Bellator 285. We've got some takeaways from that. Then we, you know, spin it forward. We have one on Prime Video 2, one's second Amazon Prime card. Um, UFC Fight Night, Dern versus uh, Jan, uh, Bellator 286, and then just a few, few highlights at the end. Some uh, a fight announcement, uh, a little bit of Conor McGregor news. Starting off though, recap of Bellator 285. I'm not gonna. This isn't gonna take too long, but it was a very good card. Uh, great card to watch, honestly. Um, if you've never watched an event that was packed full of Irish fans, which is what the three arena in Dublin always is. You haven't, you have, you're not, I mean, you haven't lived as an MMA fan. There is, the Irish fans are some of the best in the world. Top three, easily, of the best fans ever. I don't even know if I'd want to rank it, but it'd be, you know, Ireland, Brazil, and insert number three, whoever you feel like. Um... But man, they put on an absolute show, and the the guys fighting out of Ireland did great. They uh, SBG Ireland went eight and one on the day, and they were underdogs in some of those fights. They they fought through some serious serious adversity in some of those fights. The pops from the crowd when those guys would win were just incredible. I mean, it was it was amazing. They absolutely the the fans killed it. I mean. They, the fans, the Irish fans, make events so much more fun to watch. Because then, when you get a guy like, like Luca Poclit, who had that crazy arm triangle type choke um, to beat Dante Shiro, it was like it was it was it was locked up like a traditional arm triangle. But Shiro was like all the way, almost sitting down behind his own head, and Poclit just wouldn't let it go. And Shiro just eventually. He, he was unconscious, and you know, if you're watching that, if you've, you've seen that clip, I think it makes sense why he was unconscious. He was all kinds of, his head was cranked forwards. It was crazy, but you get a guy like that in a relatively low stakes fight, first fight of the night. The first of all, the Irish fans are there from that first fight. Pokleet's an SBG Ireland guy, and he gets. I mean, the crowd erupts. First fight of the night, it was awesome. They call and then they called the choke the Lucanator afterwards. Uh, like that's what the that's what the ring announcer announced it as the Lucanator choke, awesome moment, awesome pop from the crowd right off the bat, and then there were there were some other awesome performances from Irish guys, all the way up the card. Carl Moore had an awesome comeback submission win after getting dropped badly in the first round by Carl Elbrexen. I was talking about Elbrexen last weekend. I was interested in watching him fight and, um. You know, if I had the chance to bet, I probably would have bet on Elbrexen. That would have gone poorly because Carl Moore's got that dog in him. 
and he came back, submitted him about midway through the second round. And I mean that. Oh man, every every one of these fights, I just want to talk about how the crowd popped afterwards. But it's the same every single time. Just like this next one, Kieran Clark, crazy fight. Through the first couple of rounds, I thought he was a dead man. I didn't think there was any way he was going to make it through the fight. He looked like a significantly smaller guy. It was at a 150-pound catchweight because it was a short-notice opponent, uh, Udson. But but Clark just never went away. Uh, he got dropped in the first round. He he either got dropped in the second round or he was wobbled badly. And But he just wouldn't go away. He kept forcing Hudson to, to grapple with him, uh, especially through the second round and into the third. And... He really forced uh, Udson to go go with him in those exchanges, and Udson didn't look like he was a bad grappler at all. But Clark is very, very good, and he—I mean—he's he was threatening submissions every chance he got. And in the third round, it was just the same thing, and you know, Udson couldn't couldn't keep keep up with the the pace of Clark's grappling, and eventually he got his back locked up through a naked choke in the third round and got it done. Awesome comeback win! Again, crowd went crazy. I mean, it was awesome. It's it's so hard not to root for those guys, even though it's not like I necessarily know any. I don't really know any of them. It is so hard not to root for these guys fighting out of Ireland because the crowd it gets so behind them. It it's awesome. Pedro Carvalho had a great win. Carvalho, Carvalho. I, you know, I try. I don't. I don't know, but I try. Uh, had a great win over Mads Brunel as a big underdog. Pretty, I mean, relatively close fight. It really came down to the second round, and Carvalho got it done. I think the big, he had a big third round, a dominant third round. I think that really made a difference in the scorecards, and he got it done. Great win for him. And then we get to the co-main, where Yoel Romero completely overpowers Melvin Manhoof in his retirement fight. Uh, Yoel was just more explosive. He used takedowns really effectively, which, you know, we have not necessarily seen from Yoel throughout his career. And, I mean, those elbows that finished the fight in the third round were just disgusting. Ugh. I mean... Yeah, you all looked great. Manhoof, I mean, I think we all we all agree that he it, it's a great time it's a great time for him to retire. The best time for him to retire would have been a couple years ago, maybe the next best time is now. Um, and he, he had a very emotional retirement moment after the fight. Uh he was very very emotional. His kids were emotional. Yeah, you know, only wish the best to Melvin Manhoof. He had a great career, legendary career, an absolute OG in mixed martial arts. I think his first professional fight was in 1995. I was five years from even being born. He's been fighting professionally since then, so that's pretty impressive. Then we get to the main event. Benson Henderson against Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley, the the Irishman in the main event. If you have not heard Peter Queeley's walkout, if you not if you if you haven't seen his walkout, you need to pause this and go look it up on YouTube or somewhere, find a video of his walkout, because, man, it is one of the best walkouts in MMA right now, one of the, probably one of the best walkouts ever, he walks out to a song called Zombie by the Cranberries, at these shows in Ireland, like his last two have been, he walks out to this song, the entire arena is singing this song, the entire arena is singing the song word for word, it I'm sure it would be even crazier in the arena because I bet that is deafening. And I, oh, you feel it through the screen when you're watching it on TV. It's it's so, so amazing. Incredible walkout. Gives me chills every time. 
if you haven't heard the song, go listen to the song. I feel like maybe you'll feel it a little bit just from the song, but go watch the walkout. It's incredible. Unfortunately for Queeley, loses to Benson Henderson by unanimous decision in a relatively one-sided fight. Pretty one-sided fight. 49-45 would have been 50-45 if uh, Henderson hadn't been docked a point in the second round. And yeah, you know, he keeps keeps Benson up near the top of the Bellator lightweight division where, you know, he has a chance to make one more run for the belt before he retires. He's 38. Uh, clearly still, you know, as skilled as anybody. In, I mean, absolutely insane athlete. So intelligent in the way he fights. He He sucked the life out of the three arena a little bit just because of his not not his style of fight but just how clinical how intelligently he fought that fight he did a great job got the job done there's a Bellator lightweight title fight coming up soon between Patricky Pitbull and Usman Nurmagomedov I don't think it's insane to think that Benson could be next I think that's absolutely uh in play and I wouldn't be mad at that at all other takeaways from this card would be that Yoel Romero still is still Yoel Romero. He certainly should get a fight now up near that title picture in Bellator. He says he wants to drop back on the middleweight. I don't I don't like that idea at all because he looks huge. So huge. And he's fighting really well at 205. Bellator featherweight is incredibly interesting. Patricio Pitbull fights this weekend. He faces Adam Borch. We also have former Bellator featherweight champion AJ McKee fighting Spike Carlisle at lightweight. So it is unclear whether A.J. McKee has decided to move up to lightweight permanently or whether he's maybe considering coming back down to featherweight at some point. We don't really know. But Pedro Carvalho just beat Mads Brunel. Carvalho was ranked 5, Brunel ranked 3rd. Also this weekend, we have Aaron Pico, 4th ranked, fighting Jeremy Kennedy, 6th ranked. So the question begs... There's several questions, actually. Is AJ McKee coming back to featherweight? Because he's probably the biggest star in Bellator right now. If he's coming back down to featherweight, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough time. It's it makes it a little bit trickier for everybody else in the division. Now Aaron Pico, I'll talk about this later. I'll just give a little bit right now. Is a guy that Bellator has a somewhat of an interest in getting towards that title picture, and he's also in a fight that uh, would push him towards that. You know, four versus six. He's gonna be in a good spot if he wins this weekend. Now, Pedro Carvalho, Carvalho just beat number three. So, in theory, Pedro could have a, more of a claim to it. So, it's just going to be interesting to see how... I, I don't know if any of that made sense. It's just going to be interesting to see how this ends up playing out. Because, you know, Aaron Pico gets a win this weekend. It's only a, a week removed from Pedro's win. Are they going to make those two fight? Or are they going to j- bump Pico straight into a title fight? Or, let's say AJ McKee comes back down to featherweight. I think it's unlikely that... If he comes back down to featherweight after, in theory, a win at lightweight, that he would fight for anything that's not the title. If he came back down to featherweight, that would throw a whole wrench in everything. And then what happens to Pedro Carvalho? I don't know. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Bellator isn't in these situations a whole lot where you have a bunch of guys that could theoretically get title shots. Usually it's somewhat clear because this is no knock on Bellator, but generally there's a there's a level of guy who is much better a few guys much better than the rest of the division so it is just generally a little bit more clear in Bellator who should be getting the next shot so but it's very interesting and it's a really good division I mean Cody Laws ranked nine I think Cody Laws a pretty good fighter Pedro Carvalho is good Pico is very very good Mads Brunel is really good 
Adam Borks beat Pico. AJ McKee, I think, is one of the best featherweights in the world. And Patricio Pitbull has obviously proved he's one of the best featherweights in the world. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how it turns out. I talked for too long on that. So we're going to move on now to one on Prime Video 2 this weekend. They have another event on Thursday, I believe. But one is really pushing these Prime cards in America. They think that it could really be a, a selling point for the American audience, it being in prime time in the U.S., obviously very helpful. It's a, it's a good card. It doesn't have the name value of a Demetrius Johnson like they had for the first one, which I think will likely hurt them on viewers a little bit probably. But they still should do pretty well just because I think it's an interesting concept. And they have so much going on. Like on this card, they have Mikey Musumeci competing for the the one Bantamweight Submission Grappling World Championships, which I believe is their inaugural Bantamweight inaugural submission grappling world championship like belt title he takes on Kleber Sosa Sousa there's also a lightweight kickboxing title fight between Superbon and Tafun Ozkan I don't know either of them I I know Mikey Musumeci because of jiu-jitsu he's really good and he's a, an interesting guy I don't know the kickboxing guys and then there's a women's strawweight MMA world title. Strawweight, but because it's one, and because they're weight-cutting rules, it's 125, not 115. But that fight is between Angela Lee and Jingnan Zhang, which is a pretty good fight, because Angela Lee is a very good fighter. I've seen, I've watched some of her fights. I have not watched Jingnan Zhang. It is a very interesting card. You also have Timothy Nastyukin, who is a beast. I don't know when he last fought... Um, I will admit to being oh, somewhat of a casual when it comes to one. I really try to watch when I can. I watched the Ben Askren fights back in the day. This all pertains because I watched Timothy Nastyukin fight when he fought Eddie Alvarez, and he battered Eddie Alvarez, who was coming off a very good UFC run. Obviously, Eddie Alvarez, longtime Bellator lightweight champion, uh, split fights with Michael Chandler. Became the UFC lightweight champion, lost to Conor McGregor, but, I mean, really, really impressive career. And he beat the brakes off of Eddie Alvarez in Eddie's one debut. Uh, but since it looks like he uh, he won another fight and then he lost his last two, um, I believe he might have been, yeah, he was their welterweight champion for a minute. Maybe he had a shot at the welterweight title and then lost. But he fights Halil Amir. Worth watching if you, if you are interested in watching all of this different stuff, all of these different disciplines in one card i have a lot of other thoughts on it i'll get to it at some other time i i find one cards really fun to watch i just have a hard time watching them sometimes because life gets in the way but if you have your friday night available and you're a fan i would check it out it's on amazon prime easy enough to watch oh here on this card there are five mma fights three kickboxing fights one grappling fight that's the title fight and one muay thai fight if you've never watched muay thai check out watch the muay thai fight because muay thai is crazy to watch people say when like when mma fans boo grappling they're like watch kickboxing and that's true watch kickboxing but really watch muay thai that shit's crazy moving on ufc fight night dern versus yan mackenzie dern versus yan shaunan there's a lot of good fights on this card um, I think for an Apex card, it is, it's somewhat standard. Um, not exactly a bunch of huge names, but a lot of names that are going to be, the, a lot of up-and-comers, um, some guys that are 
a little bit older, say, like Alexio Lamech, you know, 68th pro fight, looking for his 61st win. Wait, I feel like that's wrong. That's definitely wrong. He is fighting in his 78th pro fight, looking for his 61st win. Professional win in MMA. I was talking about uh, Melvin Manhoof earlier and his long career. Let's just take a look at when... Okay, okay. So, you know, Melvin Manhoof actually has a leg up on uh, Alexio Olenek. Not exactly an amount of fights. But Alexi Olenek, first fight, November 10th, 1996. He actually had three fights that night and won them all. I mean, you know, for a career this long, the man does not lose much. I mean, you look at his tapology page, it is full of green. Big stretches of green. Man, he has a, a lot of good wins. A lot of guys you've never heard of, but a lot of good wins. He's been in the UFC since 2014. And he just, you know, wins two, loses one. Wins two, loses one. Wins two, loses a couple. Wins two. At one point, he really got a, a, a leg up in competition. Well, he beat uh, he beat Fabricio Verdum, so naturally, he got bumped up a little bit. He beat a former champion. Um, then he got knocked out by Derek Lewis. Knocked out by Chris Dawkins. Lost to Sergei Spivak. But then he beat Jared Vendera um, in a, a weird fight. He was supposed to fight Greg Hardy, which would have been ugly for Greg Hardy, I think. Now he's fighting Elir Latifi, uh, you know, somebody who ha- who has had a long career in his own right. I believe Elir was a kickboxer back in the day. I could be wrong, but I, I think he was, maybe. Yeah, K1, maybe those are MMA fights, but I don't know. No, glory kickboxer. Yeah, okay, he was a kickboxer. Been in the UFC since 2013. Wow, did he ever leave? No, wow, he's been in the UFC a long time. Has some good wins. He beat OSP, beat Tyson Pedro, John Vellante. And he's really only lost to guys that... I mean, since, since being in the UFC, Ilir Latifi's only lost to Gegard Mousasi, Jan Blahovic, Ryan Bader, Corey Anderson, Volkan Ozdemir, and Derek Lewis. All of those guys have either been a title holder or fought for a title in either the UFC or Bellator. Not a bad, not a bad record. Not a bad run. Also on this card, we've got Brendan Allen versus Christoph Jocko. That's a really good. That's a really good fight at middleweight. Both those guys are right on the cusp of being ranked. Like Jocko is probably like that next guy or two, like ranked 16, 17. He's got to be right there. Brendan Allen's probably you know 15 to 20 range or 16 to 21 range, something in that. They're both making a run for the rankings right now. Both really talented. Both pretty young, I believe. I mean, really good matchmaking. That's going to be a really interesting fight. We've also got Randy Cost on the card. Mike Davis, Sadiq Youssef. All of them on the card. Mike Davis hasn't fought since January of 2021, but he's won his last two fights. Uh, Randy Costa obviously was a... Was being heralded as a pretty pretty hot prospect. Uh, then he dropped two fights to Adrian Yanez and Tony Kelly. Um, but he's back. And then Sneak Yusuf was actually supposed to fight two weekends ago. He was supposed to fight on the Sanhagen, Sanhagen versus uh, Song card. But he's moved. he got moved to this weekend because his opponent... He was supposed to fight Giga Chikadze, I believe. He fell out. Now he'll fight Don Shanus. Co-main of this card is Randy Brown versus Francisco Trinaldo. Randy Brown is a, is is surging right now. He's another guy. He's got to be right on the cusp of uh, the 170-pound rankings. And Fran- Francisco Trinaldo has been around as long as anybody. I mean, he's also as game as they come. He's on a two-fight win streak, He and he's been in some wars. I mean, crazy fights. Not a guy you can sleep on. It's not a guy you necessarily want to be fighting. He's he's going to bring the fight, and he's rarely ever in a boring fight. So I'm really excited for that one. Now, Mackenzie Dern versus Jan Jaunan, the main event. Uh, Jaunan on a two-fight losing streak to Marina Rodriguez and Carla Esparza. Nothing to scoff at. 
necessarily. And the Rodriguez fight was very, very close. She had been on a 13-fight winning streak before the Esparza and Rodriguez fights. She is a very good striker. Uh, she got beat up a little bit by Carla Esparza on the ground and just, you know, lost a, a squeaker of a decision to Rodriguez. Now she fights Mackenzie Dern, coming off a very hard-fought win over Tisha Torres. Split decision, I believe. Uh, before that, dropped the main event fight to Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez. Mackenzie Dern was in that fight with Rodriguez. She just couldn't get her to the ground. Mackenzie Dern's jiu-jitsu is as good as anybody's in the UFC, but her wrestling struggles a little bit. She has trouble getting people... She has trouble taking people down, getting them to the ground so she can use it. Um, that's why I think this is a really interesting fight, and it's a really important fight in the strawweight division, which is one of the most stacked divisions in the UFC. It doesn't get talked about enough. It's such a good division, and the matchup makes a lot of sense. They both are incredibly skilled and near the top of the best women's division in the UFC for sure. This fight puts one of them back in that title picture, and it, it leaves one with a little bit of work to do. I don't really know how this fight's going to play out. I think Mackenzie Dern, obviously, she always has an advantage on the ground, but Yan Jonan has really shown that she struggles when she gets taken down. And if Mackenzie Dern's able to get her onto the ground, especially with some time on the clock, it's it could get ugly really quickly because Mackenzie Dern... It it looks it's so smooth. Even Marina Rodriguez, Dern got got her onto the ground in either the first or the second round of that fight, and she was threatening immediately. It does not take long for her to get to those positions. She is so good on the ground. But if Jan Jaunan is able to effectively kind of do what Marina Rodriguez did, stuff the takedowns, keep her at distance, and just strike with her, then. Mackenzie Dern's going to have a lot of issues. But you have to expect in a five-round fight, at some point it's going to end up on the ground and Jan Jaunan's going to have to find a way to survive. So we're going to see what happens. But it's an interesting fight. I'm interested to see what the result is. Now, on to what is probably the best card of the weekend. Two weekends in a row. You know, Bellator doing doing a pretty good job as of late. We're starting a, a, a pretty good run for Bellator. They've got a lot of interesting fights coming up. Really starting last weekend and now really gaining some steam this weekend. Patricio Pitbull, current featherweight champion. Uh, not to be confused with his brother, Patricky Pitbull, the Bellator lightweight champion. Patricio fights Adam Borix for the featherweight title. Borix 18-1, Pitbull 33-5. Pitbull just reclaimed the title from AJ McKee in their rematch in April. Borix on a four-fight winning streak, coming off a win over Mads Burnell. Uh, Borix has a win over Aaron Pico. Should be a very interesting fight. Adam Borix is not somebody to look over. Pitbull obviously has kind of steamrolled everybody except for AJ McKee and if Pitbull wins this fight it's um really regardless who who wins this fight the featherweight division in Bellator is really really ramping up and going to be very interesting like I talked about before moving on AJ McKee coming back after that loss to Patric- Patricio Pitbull pardon me uh moving up to lightweight to, fa- to face Spike Carlisle McKee was 18 and 0 before he lost to, to uh Pitbull didn't think he lost the fight. Um, I mean, it was a close fight, but I i mean, you could have scored it for McKee, but I thought Pitbull getting his hand raised was probably the right call. Uh, Spike Carlisle, five-fight winning streak. His last loss was in the UFC to Bill Algeo. Had a fight in LFA, then Cage Warriors, then Bellator. Oh, wow, he's actually had five fights in five different organizations since leaving the UFC. LFA, Bally's Fight Night, Cage Warriors, Bellator 272, Ryzen 35, now back to Bellator. He will take on AJ McKee in his lightweight debut. AJ McKee, one of the most talented fighters you'll ever see. Great striking, great, really, really great grappling. He's really, really good on the ground. He and he snatches submissions quickly. Like you saw in the first fight with Pitbull, 
he rocked him bad. He could have just landed a couple more shots and Pitbull probably would have been out. But instead he rocks him, then he snatches up a standing guillotine and chokes him unconscious and just drops him. It was a crazy, uh, a crazy exchange. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. Uh, he talked on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani about a lot of the mental issues he went through after losing that fight, and now he's in a position to bounce back against a, a tough a tough fighter in Spike Carlisle, probably not somebody that is as talented as he is, but somebody he's going to have to work to beat and a guy that doesn't quit. So it's going to be interesting. And then it's going to be it's going to be really interesting if he if he beats Carlisle to see what he does next because he's talked about he has said that him becoming a UFC champion is inevitable, which of course would mean he has to go to the UFC. And I believe he has either one or two more fights left on his Bellator contract. So we're going to see what he does after this fight and what weight class it's at. Uh, moving just one more fight down the card, Aaron Pico facing Jeremy Kennedy. Pico ranked fourth in the Bellator featherweight division. Kennedy ranked sixth. Pico, of course, one of the most highly touted prospects to ever enter into MMA and ever to enter into Bellator. Man, all the way back in 2017, when he was 20, his pro debut was in Bellator. Lost his debut to Zach Freeman. Then he won four fights in a row. One of them against Leandro Higo, who was a good fighter. Then he dropped two more to Henry Corrales and Adam Borks. And since then, he's been undefeated. And he's looked really, really good uh, since those losses. He's in a, a position where he's now knocking on the door of a title shot. A title shot that people have thought he was destined for really since... he. I remember he signed a, he signed a contract with Bellator while he was still in high school basically saying whenever he inevitably transitions into MMA, it will be for Bellator. I don't remember what the details of that of that contract were, but it was very interesting. I mean, they really took a... I mean, it's a, it's a risk, but it's also... He, he seemed like there was no chance this kid was not going to be a success. But, he, I mean, what he went through early in his career could have broken. They could, it would have broke a lot of people. Um... Luckily for Bellator, Aaron Pico is not the kind of guy that tends to break. And he has come back as a force of nature. Now he faces Jeremy Kennedy, who's had an interesting career. He fought in the UFC back from 2016, really just through 2018. Uh, His last fight in the UFC was uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Not exactly a bad loss. That was actually his only loss in the UFC. Weird they cut him after that. Strange. Um, Then he went to the PFL. Had a little bit of success, won a couple fights, won no contest, one loss. Then came to Bellator, won a fight, lost the fight to Adam Borix, and then beat Emmanuel Sanchez, and here he is, number 6th ranked, facing Aaron Pico. Um, another guy that puts himself into the title picture with a win here, uh, fights out of Extreme Couture, um, a great gym, and it's going to be an, it's gonna be an interesting fight. And it, it really just it takes us one step closer to all of this crazy... Interesting stuff happening in the Bellator featherweight division. Also fighting on the main card, Juan Archuleta is a former Bellator bantamweight champion. He then lost to Sergio Pettis and Rafael Stotts. Pettis, the current undisputed Bellator bantamweight champion, and Rafael Stotts, the current interim Bellator bantamweight champion. So no bad losses in his recent record. He now fights Enrique Barzola, who had some good wins, also a former UFC fighter. Had a pretty decent run in the UFC. Uh, Looks like he left after a draw with Ronnie Yaya. 
then he came into the belt where he beat Darren Caldwell, who was a former champion, stopped him. Then he got another win, and then he lost to Magomed Magomedov, who is uh, a good, very good fighter in the current Bantamweight tournament, the current Bellator Bantamweight tournament Grand Prix that's being held right now. Both guys were were knocked out of the were knocked out of the Bantamweight tournament fighting each other. Both still near the top of the division, um, and they're both trying to position themselves to be one of the guys next in line making their way back up the division. Other other highlights of this card, I don't know a ton of names. I know uh, Islam Mamedov, Russian guy, shocker from the name, I'm sure. 21-2 and two record, 21-2-1. and one. He His last loss was to Benson Henderson by split decision in Bellator. Before that, he has, he has a win over Brent Primus, former Bellator lightweight champion. Since then, he had a fight in Eagle FC that he won in the first round. Now he's back in Bellator fighting Nick Brown. This is a guy, Mamadov, that could absolutely threaten for that Bellator lightweight title. And let's say Usman Nurmagomedov, uh, cousin of Khabib Nurmagomedov, wins that belt over Patricky Pitbull. That'd be an interesting style matchup because they're going to have similar styles, similar backgrounds, Mamadov and Nurmagomedov. Now, I believe maybe the most interesting thing in this card is Max Roskopf making his return. Uh, to a ma- to a major organization, some of you might remember he was a fighter called up for a sh- short notice fight uh, by the UFC uh, during during the pandemic. He was fighting Austin Hubbard. Came out of the gates really strong, looked really good, uh, had a really good first round, and then at the en- then got beat up a little bit in the second round. And by the end of the second round, he had just completely gassed out. Uh, Basically, said he said he was done on the stool. Didn't didn't answer the bell for the third round, and he kind of got chastised a bit. Chastised, chastised. Good lord, a bit by the MMA community um, and by Dana White for supposedly quitting, which I still think is a bit unfair considering that he took this fight on something like seven or seven to ten days notice, maybe less and made the weight fighting well and just gassed himself out a little bit. He's a very good fighter with a lot of potential. After that fight, he was done with MMA. He basically retired. He said, that's it. He didn't. He said that he didn't train for about eight months. Like, didn't even go to the gym. And then eventually, he, uh, he ends up making his return in uh, August of 2021 in Cage Warriors and wins two fights there, then gets the call from Bellator. Now he's fighting in Bellator. Bellator debut versus Mike Hamill, who is seven and one. Hamill has two wins. He's two and two in his Bellator run. Lost to Adam Borix, lost to Usman Nurmagomedov. Nothing wrong with either of those losses. Both those guys are absolute beasts. Uh, then he got two wins. Now he's fighting Max Roscoff. Um, I'm just very interested to see how Max Roscoff looks in this fight. He wrestled at uh, North Carolina State University. Very good wrestler. I'm just interested to see how he looks physically, how he looks mentally, uh, and what he's able to do with this new life in his career. He said in an, in an interview with with Damon Martin on Damon's show, uh, The Fighter versus the Writer on MMA Fighting, that this is the first time since this is the first time he's been enjoying training and enjoying MMA since that UFC that UFC fight. I'm very interested to see how he does, and I really, really wish him the best. I'll be, admittedly, I'll be rooting for him. 
when he's walking out on Saturday. Okay, that is all of the preview I have for this coming fight weekend. Really excited for it. A lot of big fights. Uh, not often you see Bellator have two two weeks like this in a row where they're kind of the main event of the MMA weekend. Not a, probably not for everybody. I'm sure UFC will still beat them on viewers. I mean, Bellator doesn't go head-to-head with the UFC very often, but they are a little bit this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Now, just some other news and highlights to cap off the show. Uh, Anthony Cassar, former Penn State heavyweight wrestler. I mentioned him on last week's show. He has his MMA debut set for November 19th. Uh, it is unclear, to me at least, whether it's a pro or an amateur fight. I couldn't figure that out. But this is another guy out of that uh, American Top Team Happy Valley training room, Penn State Wrestling training room. Those guys are just are just going to be scary. Uh, you know, Bo Nickel is... Bo, Bo Nickel is a scary dude. Anthony Cassar is going to be, you know, he might be just as equally as scary. Cassar is a crazy, crazy athlete. I'm really excited to see him fight. This last weekend, Chris Cyborg won her pro boxing debut. She's still the Be- the Bellator featherweight, women's featherweight champion. Uh, I didn't watch the fight, but from what I could gather, she looked pretty good. Beat a pro boxer and... I don't know what she does from here, whether she wants to keep boxing or come back to MMA, but I think there's 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 big fights waiting for her either way. If she wants to keep boxing, there's a, a possible Katie Taylor fight. Uh, if she wants to come back to Bellator or just MMA in general, there's a huge Kayla Harrison fight. Either one of those, I would not be mad at watching at all. So it'll be fun to see what she does. Floyd Mayweather won another weird exhibition boxing match in Japan. Uh, he took a lot of shots early in the fight, then he knocked him out in the second round. I don't, I don't have many opinions on this. It just seems weird to me. He wants to do it. He gets paid pr- pretty well from the Japanese, probably, but I don't know. It still seems weird to me, but more power to him. He gets paid, I guess. The man doesn't need to do anything else in boxing to prove his greatness. He's already done that, so I mean, he can do what he wants to do. Now, what I believe is was maybe the most interesting tidbit of information coming out this last week was that Aaron Bronstetter of TSN reported that Conor McGregor is the only active UFC fighter to not be drug tested in 2022. I think that that exempts any fighter that was signed after August 1st. So any fighter signed in the last two months maybe wouldn't have gotten tested yet. But of all active fighters, Conor McGregor is the only one to not be drug tested, which is weird. And the rules are a little bit different because he obviously lives outside of the U.S. So USADA doesn't necessarily have jurisdiction for random drug tests outside of the U.S. I don't really know how that works. I think maybe it's kind of like a, maybe it's a bit of an honor system. I'm sure somebody has better answers for me on that, but it is still weird because you have, obviously, there's plenty of fighters that live outside of the U.S. They've all been tested, apparently. He also listed a bunch of fighters that had been tested that haven't fought in the last five years. So, why are they not testing Conor McGregor? I don't know. It's just strange. And it just, like, as if there weren't already a million questions about Conor's future, it just begs more. Like, does this just mean he's not coming back anytime soon because he's got to be in the system for six months? Maybe. But, what it seems, what what everybody seems to be saying is still, or at least most recently what you've heard is first quarter of 2023. And if it's first quarter of 2023, why is he not being tested? And it's not like, if he wasn't being tested because he wasn't disclosing his location and you thought I couldn't find him, they would say something and he'd be suspended. 
but they're not saying anything. He's not being suspended as far as I know. The UFC hasn't said anything about it. So it seems like they're on, the UFC, USADA, and Connor are at least on the same page. But we don't know what's going on. So I just think it's weird. I think we can all agree that we'd all love to see Conor McGregor back in the cage. I think the UFC is better when Conor McGregor is fighting. It draws eyes. It's fun. And, and whether you like him or dislike him, you're going to watch. It's Conor McGregor. And there was a while he was posting on Twitter these pictures of him, and he looked like somebody inflated him with a bicycle pump. It looked like somebody put like one of those big ones that stand up and you push down, like just... and just pumped him up a little bit. So I don't know what the deal was with that. But he's released training footage since then, and he's looked really good. Like, he looked quick. He had kind of his same hands low, wide, karate-style stance like he used to have. Looked really quick. Looked great. It actually kind of got me excited because when he was fighting Poirier in that kind of upright boxing stance, it was kind of like, well, this isn't really the same Connor. It obviously... Not saying that he was... Not saying he's washed or any of that. It just... That wasn't the same style that I think drew a lot of people to him. And a style that was so exciting because you never knew what was coming next. He was throwing everything. It was so fun to watch. And that kind of... In the training videos he's posted this week, it looks kind of similar. So to me, that's really exciting. I would love to see him come back and be focused and really be active. I think that would... That makes the UFC better. That makes MMA better. Hopefully we get some information on it sometime in the next month. I don't know, because he seems to be training. I don't think he was training much before. Obviously, he needed to let his leg heal up, but he seems to be in good shape. If he's not ready to go now, it seems like he's on his way to being ready to go sometime in the coming months. Hopefully, we get a little bit of clarity on this drug testing situation. I suppose it could be that because maybe it's because he was injured and you know who knows what kind of medications he was taking because of his leg and like healing but uh, that still seems a bit sketchy to me but maybe it's not but hopefully we get clarity on that and hopefully we get some news about when he's going to fight again soon if he fights again soon i hope he fights again soon and that's going to be about all i got today apologies if i seem scatterbrained at times my just half of it's getting excited about the stuff i'm talking about half of it's that I'm sick and my brain's working at 60% capacity. Um, but thank you for so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody that said good things about my first episode because that was terrifying and I thought it was horrid. Um, I hope this one was better. So if you listen, thank you so much. And I uh, can't wait to keep going. And I hope you all have a great day, a better evening. And thank you so much. Peace.